and welcome to VegOut, brought to you by the Toronto Vegetarian Association, aka the TVA. We come to you virtually from our homes and we are heard on CJRU 1280 AM, campus and community radio. My name is Jeanette and I'm a vegan and volunteer with the TVA. Our mission is to inspire people to choose a healthier, greener, and more compassionate lifestyle through plant-based eating. Today, I'm sharing with you some highlights from past episodes of VegOut, where we talk all things holidays and how it relates to veganism. You'll hear about goal setting for January, what to do if you're a gifted and non-vegan item. But first, let's talk all about vegan baking. This is a favorite topic on the show, and back in 2017, we welcomed Samantha Doyle onto the program. Samantha is a previous participant and winner in the Totally Fabulous Vegan Bake Off, and she joined Anna, Steve, and me to share her tips for vegan baking for the holidays. Well, holidays are always about uh, family and family traditions. So my mom's side of the family is Dutch. So we always do um, uh, like speculoos cookies, which are what kind are of those? like a yeah. Dutch. <laughs> I've never heard of that. Yeah, I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> they're um, they're also found in uh, German cooking too. Uh, they're pretty much like a gingerbread, but the spice mixture is slightly different. It's got some more complex uh, spices in it. The The Dutch were the kings of the spice trade, and this is one of the ways that they exhibited it was with, you know, cardamom and, and black pepper in their cookie doughs, which sound a little oh, weird, but in the right proportion, it's quite nice. So I've already made those this year. Um, I actually decided, to, traditionally they're stamped like windmills, but I decided to cut them out like little gingerbread men this year. And, uh, so cute. Yeah. Just saying, how, like, how much more Dutch can the cookie be? It's like, <laughs> yeah. Tulips or like, yeah. <laughs> and then you put the wooden shoes on the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. All the Dutch stereotypes in one cookie. That sounds delicious. Yeah. Anything else that you have? Uh, so I definitely am a big fan of chocolate and peppermint combinations this time of year. So I want to decorate a cake with a little bit of like crushed, um, candy cane. And another big favorite of mine, um, is to do some orange scented stuff. Uh, orange and clove is a great combination. So I generally take the flavor combinations that I want and then apply it to whatever I feel like making. So let's say I'm having a craving for cranberry and uh, cranberry and orange is a great combination. So I think, hmm, what do I want to make? Well, a pie sounds really great right now. So I'll look up like a pie crust recipe from uh, a well-known pie cr- uh, vegan pie book like Issa Chandra Moskowitz's pie book and then I'll create a filling with the cranberries and the orange zest or something like that Uh, so that's generally how I'm baking these days just because I now feel a little bit more comfortable in the realm of it but I I, before I definitely would have stuck to the recipes that were available excellent Um, and are there any um, holiday traditions that you have with vegan baking or that your family has uh, I don't have any more holiday traditions in my family, really. Mm. Well, I don't. We used to do similar cookies, like spiced cookies, little round ones, so a little different. But um, I've stopped making a lot of like the holiday traditions that our family had, and I'm just making whatever I feel like doing for the time. So currently, though, I've been making a lot of blondies. Mm. So I've had I've made two different recipes, and I mixed up a batch to bake either tonight or tomorrow of blondie so different proportions of um, almond butter in each one and then I found another recipe that replaced half of the almond butter with chickpeas and I really liked that because I found the first one too much almond butter so now I'm doing an all chickpea based so gluten free just because I'm using chickpeas as my base instead of using flour and oats yeah it's pretty amazing so I don't really I'm not like gluten free ish 
but I try to put as much nutrition in my baking as I can is sort of my mentality. So I'll make cookies from um, almonds, basically. So I was in Huntsville and I had these cookies that were just delicious and they were gluten-free. And I was like, I have to replicate. I kept like a little piece of the cookie. And this was like back in October. And I kept a little piece of the cookie. <laughs> and I scoured online to find recipes um, that I thought might have the same flavorings. And it was basically that. It was almond flour, but instead of using almond flour, I just bought ground almonds. So it was like mm, a, yeah. the whole almond is in there, right? Yeah. There's not like yeah. processed. And I thought it was pretty good. Not as dry. So I'm, I might make it again and see what nice. I can do. So I'm back in like the, I, like you, Samantha, I used to bake a lot when I was a kid. Mm. So my mom baked a lot when I was growing up. And so I just kept doing that. And then I would make the things that she would make because she thought that wasn't like muffins were not my mom's thing. She was like, oh, I don't know what that is. Right. Cause it's not our <laughs> tradition. We only make really cakes. And, um, so yeah, I started making muffins when I was a kid and just kept doing it but then I kind of lost it a few years ago I think um anyways now that you're reminding me we used to make these Christmas cakes that are like rum cakes but they're a little bit different from where we come from because they're flat and yeah are they fruit cakes they're kind of like fruit cakes but they're really dark and short and flat Bori. um king cakes these are called Molasses cakes. Okay, we're getting on the Portuguese uh, yeah. baking bed. <laughs> yeah. So uh, bolores are like they're king. It's a Portuguese cake called a king cake, and it's a fruit cake. And traditionally, whoever gets the slice with the fava bean in it uh, has to make the cake next year, and it's supposed to bring you good luck. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> See, we're so, not from that part of yeah, Portugal, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. But some some. And I think that can, cake yeah. tastes more like bread with lots of fruit in it, and I would only eat the fruit. But for us, because no one knew how to bake it and no one was going to bake it, if you got the fava bean, you had to buy it next year. No. <laughs> it wasn't our, our cakes are really different. They're more like a molasses cake. And I did find a recipe online many years ago that had the same flavor but totally different texture. So I might try that again this year because we're having a big family gathering this year and I promised I would make stuff. So I have to make good vegan stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you win people over with great vegan food. Just bringing stuff into work or whatever. And, yeah, I'm not yeah. going to win anyone over. Really <laughs> I'm not going to lie, but I like, to, I like to see them eat it and be like, oh, this is so good. I'm like, yes, and it's vegan. <laughs> yeah, as long as you can do that. I make rugula every year. I don't know why. I'm not I'm not Jewish, but I really love this. Uh, it's a Jewish like cream cheese cookie, so I just found a vegan version of it through uh, Veg News, and I think it was in like one of their award winner award winning recipes. And it's quite easy to make, and it's like an apricot and walnut mixture. And I've made it for people. I usually do like a little cookie um, present for people at work, like a little cookie collection. Oh, nice. And I do um, I give them rugula, and then one of my coworkers is like. You know that like rolled up cookie thing you gave me? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you're gonna make that again at some point. I'm like, yeah, I'll make it again next year. He's like, okay, good. I just don't want you to forget about that, <laughs> that recipe. It was really good. Yeah. Nice. But they're willing to wait a whole year. <laughs> yeah, that's I don't, even better. Than, yeah, than, yeah, yeah than, I get them patient about it. Yet they want it. That's good. It's, I mean, it is a bit of a, a labor-intensive cookie, so I just kind of yeah. make it every year on Christmas. I always do a gingerbread. I always do like a chocolate or peppermint thing as well. I usually make four or five different kinds of cookies and then divide it up and then give it give it away. So that's nice. my little Christmas yeah. gift to people. 
Um, and then every year I try a new one. And I a couple years ago I found this like pumpkin sugar cookie recipe, and oh. it it's it's like light and fluffy, and it uses like pureed pumpkin. So around fall, I I scoop up a bunch of pumpkins from the farmers market, puree it all freeze it and then I have the pumpkin puree to use for the pumpkin sugar cookies as well as other recipes as well so that's my my little Christmas tradition I just do when you do that what do you do with the seeds I roast them (laughs) you do yeah good yeah Yeah. good okay try to use the whole pumpkin too many people don't and that's why I asked yeah Yeah, because I had a pretty good idea you would so you know the stuff you scrape out of the pumpkin that's like really fibrous and you can cook that and make a soup with that and so oh, I haven't done that. But yeah. yeah. So that even that you can use because I was in a, I was in a canning class, yeah. and he was very much like a use all of the food kind of person. He was a yeah. Mennonite, and so um, or I was like you know his tradition was anyway. So he told me that, and I was like, can I take the stuff? He goes, oh, I don't want to waste this. You know, we could cook a really good soup with it. And I'm like, I'll take it home. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to try this. And it was really good. Mm. Like, you'd be surprised at how much of the food you can actually cook. So you were talking about doing something and freezing it. Do you have any tips, Samantha or Jeanette, on, like, freezing cookies? How you know, like, can you freeze the batter? Do you freeze the batter? Do you freeze them after? So say you're going to do, like, a lot of baking. Um, what are your tips and how do you know, depending on the type of cookie that you're doing? Do you have any tips? I'm going to just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, Samantha, you go. Okay. <laughs> well, there are a specific set of cookies called freezer box cookies where mm-hmm. you make the dough and you roll it into a tube and then you let it in, in cling film or whatever. And then you stick that into the freezer and when it's frozen solid, then you can slice off slices of it with a sharp knife very carefully um, and then just bake it one at a time. So if you're conscious of consuming too many sweets, that's a good way to go. Um, yeah, a lot of other cookie cookie doughs will um, do well with freezing while raw. Uh, or you can freeze while um, cooked. I would probably preferably freeze while uh, raw. Um, as far as cakes go, though, that is definitely something that you'd freeze after it was baked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, I never think of doing that. It's but a, my aunts oh, used yeah, to. You can totally I, do that. To, and I totally forgot that. Yeah, That's right. it's, a, it's like a wedding cake tradition. You're supposed to freeze the top of the wedding cake and eat it on your first year anniversary. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally forgot. My I would go over to my aunt's house and she'd pull out cake and be like, "Here, take this to your brother. He likes this cake." I'm like, "Where did this cake come from?" <laughs> yeah, anyway, from seven her, months ago. Her <laughs> freezer. Well, those Portuguese cakes that we make, like they're they don't have any rum in them, but they keep for years. This is the bready kind of cake. The it's ma- not masa. It's not. This bready. is turning into a Portuguese. It's not bake show. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. You you come from very tradi- different. Portuguese traditions, yes. though, the yeah, two of we you. Do. Uh, one from the Azores and one from Madeira. Yeah, right? yeah, and, it's very uh, different. Yeah, it's and, made and, and, with and, and, molasses, so it's a you're, really you're, dark, rich with like yeah. all those spices, like allspice, pepper, yeah. nutmeg. But it's it. kind of funny because I, my mom would also freeze. So our like it, we made like a sweetbread called masa. And that's something she would freeze, and then you serve it with, <laughs> you toast it, and then you serve it with uh, sweet rice, a rice pudding. Oh, um, interesting. I've yeah. never had that or seen that before. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it just goes to show that we all kind of grew up with, in baking families, yeah. and that we found, like, the vegan ways to, like, I still haven't found, and I know, Anna, you've told me before. Um, oh, yeah, like I've, Portuguese custard the tarts. The custard tarts. <laughs> 
a lot of Portuguese talk there. And speaking of custard tarts, now in 2021, we have the Portuguese vegan, aka Connie Oliveira, who we interviewed on this show, and she has a veganized recipe for custard tarts. Next up in our holiday guide, we are looking towards the new year and talking all about goal setting. You'll hear from John, Steve, and me about how to make and keep that vegan resolution for 2022. One of the the go-to vegan fitness kind of, I don't know if I necessarily want to use the word guru, but resources out there is the No Meat Athlete website. So, um, you know, I think for people who might be potentially getting involved into trying to make some New Year's resolutions, trying to take a look at what is suggested from the No Meat Athlete would be a good first step. So, Jeanette, what does what do they suggest from on the No Meat Athlete website in terms of, you know, January 1st hits and then you're going to go hardcore, you're going to go to the gym for four hours every single day and you're going to lose those 120 pounds in a week and a half, like <laughs> those unrealistic goals that, you know, no one can ever aspire to. But what what do they suggest in terms of realistically being able to obtain. Mm -hmm. So they kind of broke it down into small steps and kind of leading up towards your goal. And they said using the month of December as your prep month to get into the, the, the big start in January 1st. So they kind of broke it down into three steps. So step one was decide your big, exciting, and maybe even massive habit change set to begin that January 1st. So whether that's like running a marathon or giving up dairy um, but this is kind of the, the intention that you're going to have for the big, the big goal of the year. And then step two is make the month leading up to that your small steps month. So I know we're already halfway into December, so maybe you can treat, you know, January 15th as day one instead of uh, January 1st if you want to make this happen. And we'll also share a link in our show notes over at veg.ca uh, under the podcast heading with this link if you want to look it up. Um, so basically, it's like if you're going to be running a marathon, what are the small steps in December that you can do to lead up to that? So what are some short distant runs that you can put in? Maybe start planning out like a like research an app that would help you through your marathon training or, you know, develop a meal plan or do some research, figure out all the like small steps that you can do in December to prep yourself. So it's almost like you're studying for an exam, I would say, like an exam's coming up on January 1st. And then step three is start on December 1st. See what we did there? A mini start date. So basically thinking about it, putting the dates into the calendar and actually like committing yourself to doing small steps leading up to the big things. So that I felt was really reasonable and achievable so it's not just and also like everyone will be starting that on January 1st so you want to be the one that gets the head start I know for myself I always set yearly goals um for my own um fitness and training um and uh I I find that it's a way to keep you accountable so um you know usually those goals are related to uh a certain number of kilometers run in a year and a certain number of yoga classes attended in a year and a certain number of um, weight sessions at my gym um, in a given year. And I, I, I find that through writing these goals down and keeping a training log, when you write it down, it holds you accountable. Um, and, and just knowing where you should be at at a, at a certain point in time, right? So with, with my... With my running goal, my goal is on a yearly basis to run 6,000 kilometers in a year. So if, if you look at that and break it down 
weekly, it's far more achievable than just being like, okay, I'm going to go up for this 6,000 kilometer run on, you know, January 25th, because that's just not happening. Right. <laughs> so it, you know, again, if you, if you break it down and, it, and you know, f- for many people that would seem fairly extreme. And if you're a fairly serious marathon runner, it's actually, you know, not that out of the realm of the ordinary. Um, if you're, if you're trying to do it at a, at a fairly, um, competitive level. So, you know, if you go 6,000 divided by 52, it basically breaks down to about 115 kilometers per week. Well, that's, that's much more doable than when you have this overarching, you know, four digit, you know, number sitting in front of you, that would be like, okay, I got to hit this on this given year. Right. And that's, those are goals, which are achievable, but they're also at the very, very limit of my grasp, meaning that I, I, I wouldn't, you know, unless I quit my job, I'm probably not getting up to 7,000 or 8,000 kilometers in a given year. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I I've set very, very, very lofty goals, but ones that require a heck of a lot of attention and a heck of a lot of focus and a heck of a lot of dedication in order to be able to meet. But, you know, they are, they are achievable. And I have, you know, have met those goals all in the past, um, which is great. And sometimes I go over them and sometimes I'm under them. But again, if you don't set set those goals, it's, it's really difficult to ensure that uh, you are, you know, doing your best to make sure that you are, um, you know, trying to reach these things that you're kind of setting at the beginning of the year. Some great advice there that will hopefully help you with your journey, whatever it may be, wherever it may be. Last stop on our holiday clip extravaganza is a show from 2017 where Steve, Lisa, John, and I talk about what to do if you receive a non-vegan gift. So the first thing is our advice corner. Uh, Should have some snazzy jingle for that. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yes. we got to work on that. Advice corner. The corner, veg corner. 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 Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we had a, a, an email come in and uh, this person was wondering how to respond when given gifts over the holidays uh, or perhaps any time of the year with dairy, eggs, etc., such as chocolates, which is probably the most common one. Uh, the issue, of course, is that he's had, uh, he thought it's very thoughtful and well-meaning of friends or neighbors to give these uh, items to them, but uh, you know they don't want to receive them as uh, uh, as a vegan. So he says, in the past, he has just thanked them and donated the item to a food bank, but he is becoming increasingly uncomfortable uh, being dishonest to his friends and would prefer to diplomatically, politely let them know the truth. So my first question is, uh, what do you do in this situation if you've received an item that you are not able to consume uh, because of your veganism? So, John, I know you have uh, a good example of this. Yeah, so for me, um, because of my uh, professional position, I receive lots of gifts around um, Christmas time um, from a variety of well-meaning individuals. It usually tends to come in the form of chocolate, which... You know, I'm not a I'm not a big chocolate eater per se, um, and although most of these people who know me know that I'm vegan, they might not process that when it comes time for them to go buy a gift, or maybe they're not telling the person who's actually buying the gifts, so they just go to the you know, the 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 fallback plan of buying, you know, this person a pot of gold. Seems like pot of gold is yeah. for whatever reason the fallback kind of Christmas present that you give and whatever it's I, I don't look at it as being a pot of gold per se it's more like a you know 
pot of something else, but it's definitely not <laughs> cool, that's for sure. But so when, when I get these things, and, you know, it, it, they tend to come in, um, in, in a wide variety of, of non-vegan gifts, for the most part, what I do is, like, you know, I'll, I'll go for a walk, and um, there's, I, I live downtown, so there's numerous homeless people around. Um, kind of in the general vicinity of where I live, and it's easy to just approach them, you know, say, you know, I've got way too much chocolate over the holidays, would you like this box of pot of gold or whatever, you know, it might be. And, you know, more often than not, those people are really, really happy to receive them, right? So, um, to me, that's a, a way of um, turning a, a negative into a bit of a positive, right? So, um, although I appreciate what the person is saying, you know, they receive different, um, food gifts that aren't vegan and they donate them to a, a food bank or, um, whatever, that might be the, the best interim, um, way of dealing with that type of a situation. Um, and again, you know, I think that for those people out there who, you know, express that they are vegan, it can be frustrating because you're like, well, this person should know that I'm vegan. They know that I'm vegan because I've mentioned it and I've talked about it. They should have a general idea of what it is that I can and cannot eat. And yet they still go to come along and, and give you something that's non-vegan. That can, I can definitely appreciate the frustration on that. But um, I think that there are ways to, uh, to do your best to try to make it a, a positive, right? So it's I'll, I'll never forget the first... Um, the first Christmas where I went vegan and my mom understood that I was vegan and, um, you know, she had made Christmas cookies and I checked with her to make sure that they were vegan and she said yes and I put them in my mouth and I said, wow, this is, you know, this is quite tasty and I said, what's in it? And she's like, naming it off and she's like, uh, well, there's flour and uh, sugar and, you know, different ingredients and then she gets down and then she's like, and there's eggs and butter in it and it's like, <laughs> where are you so it's that learning process right my mom's understanding of what vegan meant was that i wouldn't eat like eggs like uh, scrambled eggs like right. eggs if it's but if it's in something it would be okay yeah. right so you don't eat visible eggs exactly yeah. so for for someone like of my mom's generation then maybe that's something difficult for her to to process but you know again frustration can definitely mount and it's never a good idea in, at least in my opinion it's never a good idea to get overly confrontational with it right so for instance like it's pretty common for someone to have um you know cake or those types of things around the office and it's you know never a good idea to to take the cake and be like well this isn't vegan cake and then smash their face and <laughs> so just as an aside you don't ever want to do that because that's bad for the vegan movement as opposed to good for the vegan movement but you know in all honesty it, you know you, you do your best and um i have a yeah. I, have, I have a better appreciation for uh those gifts that are given to me that are explicitly vegan so i do know that i had a you know a couple of situations this year where i received uh presents which were dark chocolate so obviously vegan chocolate i don't know whether that was just by coincidence or whether the the student who was giving it to me had gone out of their way to to look into this i'm thinking it's more the latter than the former so i was like okay the report card marks went up significantly <laughs> on, the, on the basis of the dark chocolate presents right so, isn't that not okay no but in my opinion well you know i guess it depends yeah. this is all off the record right guys <laughs> yeah we're all anonymous here i also want to know what offices you were working at yeah. previous to your teaching job where you smash people yeah. smashing cakes and that might be eggs. why i'm not working there anymore right if yeah. you're gonna go I'll go with a bang I angry guess, john right? yeah. <laughs> um i think that is something important too like when you look at it from like a bigger perspective like 
like if you feel being quote unquote ungrateful, like some like if you were like, oh, thank you for this gift, but like I don't want it because it has animal products in it, people might read them and like, oh, this person is vegan and they're unthankful or like yeah. that kind of thing. So from like a macro level, um, you kind of have to think like, okay, like am I representing veganism yeah. well in this situation? Yeah, for sure. Um, what, like, and I really like how you kind of turn it into a positive thing. Like, how can I give back with this and turn this, you know, negative sort of uh, situation into a positive? Yeah. And I think that is a really great way of doing it. Um, although I do find it difficult sometimes where like, people will hand make things or um, I've received yes. um, neighborly gifts. So one of my neighbors, when I lived in Toronto, um, she gave me a thing of caramels and, she didn't know me. She didn't know who I was. So I assumed that they were made with, um, you know, eggs and dairy or I guess in caramels, you don't really eat eggs, but anyway, definitely butter and cream in there. Um, and they were handmade. I couldn't really just like donate them or give them away. Cause like who would just be like, this is random jar of like hand wrapped chocolates or caramels. What is this? Right. So, um, I, I just like gave them to my roommate because like, I mean, we live yeah. together anyway, but I just, you know, the next time I saw that person, I was like, oh, I really appreciate that. By the way, I'm vegan. So I gave her back um, some vegan caramels um, that were vegan being like, oh, like, thank you for considering me. Here's me considering back for you. And these are vegan, by the way. And then I'm also vegan. So that kind of like yeah. subtle. For sure. By the way. <laughs> I, I receive hand handmade uh, baked goods as well, too. Yeah. And I do the exact same thing. So yeah. like most... Like, when you approach most homeless people and you have something which is, you know, baked from home, for the most part, people are fairly appreciative of that. Oh, really? So, so okay. yeah. So, you know, it might be just different on the basis of our geographical situations, right? There's probably more homeless people in downtown Toronto than yeah. where you're located, right? So, that's it's easy for me to say because I can just go for a five-minute walk to, you know, Bathurst and Queen. And, it's, yeah. you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see some people who are in need and, and probably want you know, to have that holiday cheer spread to them, right? Mm -hmm. So if they see that most people, like I say, most people are appreciative. If they don't want it, no stress. Yeah. You know, you asked and then you just move on and someone else is likely to take it, right? For sure, for sure. Yeah, so one thing I did with... Um uh, over the holidays, the the vegan baking group, which is a social group of the Toronto Vegetarian Association, we did a massive cookie exchange. So I had and scones. eight and 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 savory scones from Lisa, <laughs> which were delicious. Um, so we had eight dozen cookies. So I'm like, I'm not going to eat all these. So I brought them to work and put out an envelope yeah. and asked people to throw in a couple of bucks. And uh, what I did was uh, gave the money to the Daily Bread Food Bank. So Smart. so something if we did get handmade baked items you didn't know what they were from um or like what to do with them you could maybe bring them to an office environment raise a couple of bucks and then maybe give that to a vegan charity yeah. uh, either the you know toronto vegetarian association or, or animal sanctuary farm sanctuary when a, like something like that so that's that's like one strategy if you kind of want to like pay it forward a little bit um uh the uh, speaking of chocolates uh we had uh someone write into us as well and say that their uh, their mother-in-law gave them a Toblerone every year. And this has been after several years of being <laughs> of her and her, their partner being vegan. So what they ended up doing was just accepting it at the time, um, not making a fuss at that time, but throughout the year kind of dropping hints or saying like, oh, you know, that Toblerone contains milk chocolate, you know, um, so hopefully that, that, that idea plants so around the time of Christmas, they'll be like, oh yes, this is milk chocolate. I should not be gifting this to them. So they either, either gave away the Toblerone, um, you know, took a little bit of it and then threw the rest out, 
Um, but the, that's, I think, their strategy for next year is to start planting the idea early that the Toblerone is not the, the best gift for them. Mm-hmm. I would also add maybe saying, you know, Toblerone's not great, but these are some other chocolate brands that we really like that we know are vegan. So maybe just kind of educating throughout the year uh, in that kind of sense. And there you have it. Some tips and tricks for you for this holiday season from the entire team here at Veg Out. Wishing you a safe and happy 2022 and many more episodes of Veg Out to come. You've been listening to Veg Out brought to you by the Toronto Vegetarian Association. You can listen to past episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts and at veg.ca slash veg out. Thanks to Matt Judge for our theme song. And until next time, Veg Out.